no, I've made a bargain in which a person exchanges something of supreme moral value for material benefit. It's Radio Free Topag, and I'm Audrey. I'm Donovan. I have made a Faustian bargain. <laughs> Joining us this week from Twitter, Tim Faust. Hello. Every bargain Hello. with me is a Faustian bargain. <laughs> of course. Uh, love a love a built-up intro. Love to you know most of my jokes are extremely you know they're thinkers i make a lot of jokes that aren't repetitive at all right you know there's a lot of ins a lot of outs Mm -hmm. to them and so i'm always taken aback when something is simply a reference to the definition of a word Uh, but props to you audrey i i I loved it uh how's everybody doing today we're gonna start out with that at the top of the show i have a little bit of a headache not Mm. a migraine like in the last episode but downgraded to a mere regular headache a category three migraine or category three headache rather a category three well maybe like a category two okay are the lower numbers worse than the higher numbers i think the higher numbers are the worst ones yeah higher numbers are worse okay i'm thinking like category one like it's mild like it's just like some like a little guy is kicking me in the brain, but lightly. Mm-hmm. Like you'd kick a balloon, if that makes any sense. <laughs> you kick it too hard, it's just not gonna go very far. But if you give it that little tap, mm-hmm. it kind of Carry. flies off, spirals yeah. a little bit. So a little guy is kicking my head. How are y'all doing? Good. I uh, recycling in Milwaukee in the winter is very sporadic. I live in Milwaukee, which is important for that anecdote. Uh, it's it's picked up once every like couple of weeks at random. Um, and so I'm guessing that this week is a recycling week. So I packed up all of our cardboard and put it out front and uh, suffered for it. I got a couple of paper cuts, but uh, oh, our, front, our front room is much cleaner now. So all is well. We love that. So, suffering to save the earth. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, you must. We must. Uh, for my part, I thought about going for a walk in the park, but got trapped in a doom scroll spiral in my kitchen with my purse and my shoes on. No, oh, no. Like I was getting like I walked into the kitchen. I was like, oh, I'll grab a quick bite before I go out to, you know, go for a walk and I'll fill my water bottle. I'll be all good and ready to go. And then I looked at Twitter and got fucking wormholed hard. Yeah, you can't do that. I keep having moments where I'm scrolling through there and I'm like, why am I? Why am I doing this? Why and am I, I doing close this? the That's app up. and I switch to Wikipedia list of uh like the paleontology portal and i'm in a much better place instantaneously yeah. especially like the replies the wasteland that is the, the replies you can't look at the replies the joy of twitter def- has has left me yeah. yeah i mean i still use it and you know y'all I'll, I'll be using it until the day that i die or it dies whichever <laughs> comes first which is unfortunate um but i don't know i was looking at like twitter today as i usually do when i'm working and just everything like even the funny things are just are just uh, nostalgia posts about things that were funny in the past, right? It, 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 it all the all the novelty. I don't know. Even the ads are all like generative AI bullshit, mm-hmm. and most of the comments are either rehashing like dumb transphobic points uh, or like classic racist wojacks, or it's what you're saying. It's people rehashing old jokes. It's just. Uh, I feel a pit appear in my stomach when I scroll it, and so I try to limit myself to the DMs, where I'm having a delightful time telling people that I'm blonde this week, which is a, a trick that I'm pulling on people, which is very, very funny, given that I have dark hair, as you can see right here. What? What? 
Somebody in a DM I was in brought up being blonde, and I decided to say that I was blonde. And nobody fact checked me on that, so I keep <laughs> referencing my blonde hair. What if I'm we both went blonde? What if That'd we be, could be? be. Cool. On the I want to do the ash blonde. Nobody knows you're a brunette. It's true. <laughs> I'm a platinum blonde, and you, you, that's you too, listener. I'm you, a Paul Blart and I'm blonde. I'm going to tell you the same thing that I'm a that I'm a platinum blonde. Um, Tam, I feel you also on the cardboard paper cut. I was maimed opening a seltzer box two days ago. I have the lightest little kind of scrape on my finger, but it's a particularly unsettling type. I feel like it kind of. It kind of chews in there in a way that regular paper doesn't. Yeah. Good Lord, I forgot how much that sucked. You don't so want just, paper to chew. You don't want paper to chew. I should be chewing on the paper, not the other way around. That's right. Uh, quick round, Robin. Who ate paper when they were a child? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. What is it about that shit that, like, you know, you're doing arts and crafts and suddenly you feel the urge? You just want to take a little... I mean, like, construction paper... Some of those flavors looked pretty delightful. Unfortunately, it was like M and M's. They're all exactly the same. But I get <laughs> Paper it. Paper flavored. For me, it was like gum wrappers. I would just chew the entire piece sure. of gum, including the wrapper. Which is weird. I'm not going to pretend that it's not. But uh, you know, when I was seven, that seemed like an impulse that made sense. I did it with Starburst. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chew the paper into that. Oh, yeah. God. I got too much sensory stuff. Like, even thinking about that is upsetting to me on a very visceral level. Did you do it once and you were like, this is crazy, I'm going to keep doing it? Or were you like, this this is great, I have to keep doing it because this adds a certain je ne sais quoi. The one that got me into, like, young adulthood was Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Um, With the the, paper? Because the paper contains so much of the flavor. I guess it absorbs. So the it's like oily from the peanut butter, and like yeah. the peanut butter gets stuck on it. It's not good. This is disgusting. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not defending myself. Uh, but for a long time, yeah, I would. Uh, I would eat the paper of the peanut butter cup. I mean, That's I had crazy. a strong moment just now where I was like, "Wait, would that be good?" Because it is always a little bit oily. There all are always some some fragments of uh, peanuty delight on there. And I think that just goes to show how uh, vulnerable to any kind of suggestion that I am. I, I was <laughs> sincerely thinking for a second there, maybe I will give this a go. This is certainly not an endorsement of chewing paper. The paper chewing lifestyle. This is a pro paper chewing podcast, and that's kind of what it's all about. But our, our secondary thing that we cover on occasion is relationships. And I think it's going to be one of those weeks where we end up talking about relationships. We've got some questions. We've got a new guest on the show here. Tim, we've got a a short interview we hit new guests with. And uh, just to kind of set the groundwork for this, what's what's your relationship status? Where where are you at with things? I've been dating uh, my partner for Brian Renee uh, for a year and a half. We just bought a house together in December and moved across the country. To Milwaukee yeah, in the, the middle of winter. So it was a, she's a California and Texas girl. And so moving to the Midwest in December was a hell of a sell. But she, uh, yeah, she, she bit. Um, it's been it's great. Brutal time. It, it, it's it's a, it's a incredibly stable relationship. Probably the healthiest one I've ever been in, which is a good place to be. And exactly. uh, it's weird. I, I didn't know this was an option. Uh, until I, mean, I, I started dating Renee and I was like, man, I'm not stressed out. Like this, is this boring? Like what's going on? 
no, I'm just not under the gun at all times. Uh, <laughs> or, or whether for, you know, riding when it's my own fault or whatever, like I, I, I don't feel like the panic of thinking this thing could fall apart at any minute, uh, which mm-hmm. had been the main, the main way I buoyed myself through a lot of relationships for a long time. And uh, having one where everything feels stable and consistent, um, it's not that it's boring, it's that my fight or flight response isn't freaking out all the time. Um, and so the, the absence of, uh, of stress is much different than the presence of boringness. So how do you get your cortisol then? How do you... <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been playing Yakuza 8, um, and so I'm getting a lot okay. of cortisol through the various minigames available there. <laughs> I've also, also, take... also started watching movies again, so I watch movies and that's how I get my cortisol. Yeah, watch Crank, that's a lot of cortisol. Life. Yeah. It's like moving to the Pacific Northwest. You got to start taking D vitamins. You've entered a healthy relationship. You have to start taking stress supplements. Right. (laughs) I strongly identify with what you're describing there. I uh, have had kind of a lot of relationships in just the way that my brain works, uh, that I am in like fight or flight mode through a large part of it. And a few years ago, I was in one where that did not happen. And it was jarring. Has that at all, have you had any sense of like, you know, you kind of mentioned boring and I know that's not, you know, actually the case, but do you get any, do you have any sense initially of like something is wrong? Oh yeah, for I'm sure. feeling. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning I, I, I wondered, is this boring? Is this boredom that I feel? And it wasn't like, uh, it, it was the presence of, it was the absence of stress. Right. Um, but I just, I, I, I like talk this with, with like my friends and stuff. Like why, what is different here? And yeah, not being not wigging out most of the time um, provides, I don't know, like it's obviously good. I love it. It provides a baseline right. of stability and comfort that I really appreciate. But it certainly took me some time to figure out that that's what was going on. Um, yeah. And then once you figure money, once you figure that out, you can embrace it and run forward with it. Uh, it's It's been, um, not, not to say this because I think she can hear me. It really has been a uh, <laughs> uh, a really, really tremendous relationship. I, I, I'm very happy with it. Oh, we love to hear that. That is that is excellent. Had you had y'all lived together before moving no. across the country together? We, uh, my roommate at the time told me that I really needed to think this through, but because it was kind of an irrational move, which is mostly how I operate. But uh, she wanted to get rid of her house in L.A. Uh, my dad's in Milwaukee. I wanted to be near him. Um, I'd been at my friend's sublet for a year, and it was kind of like I was supposed to be there for three weeks and end up staying a year. So it's kind of at a point mm. where I was, it was like time to get out of my friend Paul's house, which he had very generous. We were having a great time, but you know, I want to be yeah. respectful of his space. Um, so I don't know, enough things lined up. We decided to uh, come visit it for Halloween, had a wonderful time and moved here a month later. Wow. Fuck yeah. We love when things are healthy and you can do an impromptu thing like that. And it actually kind of works out. That's, that's lovely. Oh this yeah. might this might segue here into my first of our one-two punch interview. And sometimes I do the whole boxing analogy here and I boxed at one point. And sometimes I remember the names of what a one is and what a two is, but because of the small headache that I have, I'm not going to, we're going to, I'm going to let go of the theatrics today, Tim. I'm simply going to hit you with the first of the two question interview. Uh, And it might relate to like moving in together and all that. What do you learned most recently in your case, in your relationship? This is a a little different. Um, It's that uh, you you ever seen that episode of 30 Rock with John Hamm? Yes, but a long time ago. So the premise is that uh, Liz Lemon, Tina Fey, 
is dating John Hamm, who's like very hot. He's a hot man. Yeah, he's and an life, incredibly attractive man. Life is very different for him. Like he like fucks up at a restaurant and he gets seated immediately. Like he messes people like let him win at tennis, things like that. Like it, life is very <laughs> different for very hot people. Um, and my girlfriend is, I mean, professionally hot. That that's that, that's one of her jobs is to be a hot woman. Um, and she's, <laughs> I mean, beautiful. I mean, she was a, a a penthouse pet of the month. Like she has the pedigrees or whatever. Um, however, you would testify to her being professionally hot. But uh, hot credits. Yes, she's 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 got the the hot, hot boner fides. The boner fides. Um, <laughs> there we go. Yes. And uh, got there. Uh, you know, I mean, being really hot can be a lot of burdens in a lot of ways, right? You're viewed differently. Mm-hmm. Like people do can say and do weird things to you. The male ownership of women, etc. Just some weird shit. In people there. are intimidated by you. Yeah. But at the same time, like it I we we were we were at a bar on Sunday meeting up with a friend that we met a couple months ago. And Renee is sitting, my partner Renee is sitting at the table with us wearing a little like Russian hat, whatever those things are called. And the manager are of the you bar I don't know the little like you know, when with you, the flaps. Yeah, with the flaps, the flap hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a Yushanka. Okay, Yushanka. She's sitting there in her big fluffy Yushanka, and the manager of the bar, who was like a woman in her mid thirties, kind of alt looking, pretty woman, uh, walks over and just offers Renee a job right on the spot. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Renee like had had not spoken to this woman. Like there was no like. Uh, conversation or like you know exchange that happened previous it was just literally saw a hot woman offered her a job at a bar do you want a job yeah th- th- that was literally how it went <laughs> oh she, that is funny did she take the job it's uh she she i mean renee has like four jobs so she, she can't take up another full-time one but they talked about maybe say, doing like yeah. a a one-off gig um, the RNC is in Milwaukee this summer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. National Convention. And so this bar is thinking of doing some like pop up things. And it could just be funny to go work that, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. That's just interesting people watching. So Re- Renee might take them up and uh, be a vodka girl uh, for, for an evening yeah. during the RNC. You get Hell to watch yeah. all the congressional staffers hook up with each other. Oh, you mean you, I, I? I was a photographer for the Texas RNC in 2014, and it's a it's a surreal place um, because yeah. it's it's the worst people in in that case Texas to all gather together in one place. But like even among them, there's like a social spectrum. There's a pecking order. Like they've got their own in group out group thing going on. Yeah, but it's in a this whole case, like ecosystem. I feel no. Uh, um, uh, no joy, no favoritism to either side. I think they all should go to hell. And so kind of getting to watch it in the way that you would watch mold grow on a hamburger is a really fascinating process. I feel this. That's, that's beautiful. That is kind of once in a lifetime. You'd definitely get some good stories out of uh, being a vodka girl at an RNC. Absolutely she would. It'd be great. So I don't great. know she's thinking about it. I, but I was at the Texas RNC. They had a um, like gay marriage, not gay marriage, like gay rights protest. Uh, it was before the um, like the current horrible incarnation of the trans rights debacle. It was like 2014. Yeah. So it was some yeah. other form of LGBTQIA uh, uh, rights. This and they the, all, this is the old formula. Right. Yeah. Um, this is classic. The right uh, colony of queer yet. Whatever the thing was between gay marriage. Actually, maybe it was that at the time. Because I think maybe that was before gay marriage got um, bypassed. So, so, so around that. Obergefell. 
I don't know what a Burgerfell was. Uh, it was more recent than you think it is. Um, is all I know. Uh, yeah, I want to say like mid 2015. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, so it was so it was before that. It was on before Burgerfell. That's mid 2010s. Um, yeah, so they were they were still on that anti-gay beat. Now yeah, they've got and, the new Coke. But the uh, the gay marriage the gay marriage protesters all had guns too. Um, like fucking fuck yeah. they got the pride flag and an AR, and I was like, this is this this rocks. That's what's up. That's killer. <laughs> and we salute all of them. Thank you for your service. That is a fun thing to uh to learn though with uh with with a partner is uh see see that difference in the in the way that, that people are treated. I'm not gonna toot my own horn here, but I'm a I'm an attractive envy and I, I get some weird and sometimes really great stuff sometimes also. And I didn't really have an awareness or much self-confidence until like relatively recently speaking. And it is kind of wild to be with other people and have people like comment, like multiple people have come up to you and complimented your outfit. That's crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, I thought, I don't know, in the past, I'd always be like, these people must be fucking with me or like, they're, I, I don't know, they're playing a prank on me or something, or this is something that happens to everybody. That is a very... A very strange way to interact with the world that also uh, rocks. Yeah. And I also feel like a dickhead talking about it to people, but it's a distinct experience. It's very I show strange. People, I show people the group picture that we took at the after, after the live show, and everyone's like, wow, who's that crouching down in the front? It's and me. It's I got good hip mobility. <laughs> DM me, please. <laughs> I'm very alone. I'm very alone, <laughs> they say. That's fucking funny. Uh that's interesting though. Have you have you dated anybody before, Tim, who who has had, you know, that kind of effect on the, the public around you, or is this uh this is one I, I dated before? one person in twenty fourteen who I went completely psychotic over for about eight months of my life, um, who had a similar effect on on people. I mean I, 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 including me. Uh and <laughs> It wasn't as pronounced, um, I suppose, because they, you know, weren't doing it under partial capacity. But uh, how do I put this delicately? Like, they were an artist and their art sucked, but everyone liked their art mm. a lot because they were very hot. That's like a type of, like, insecurity, I feel like, that could develop also then of are people drawn to me for the thing I am trying to create or... Uh, for being an attractive person. But that's a topic we will need to explore at a different time. Tim, do you ever get any of this? Because I see you post uh, pictures on Twitter sometimes. You have consistently extremely fucking cool fits. I, have, I think you have a really distinct type of style that I really, really appreciate. Do I, you get any of this? Yeah, people will compliment the way that I dress sometimes. Um, I wear a lot of very loud things. I've got like a red snakeskin suit that I wear for a lot of events. It fucking um, rules. It's uh, I call it the pleasure suit. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I wore it. I I used to run a wrestling league, and I ran a one-off show. Um, and that was the suit that I wore for that show. So I wore it, like in a ninety-eight degree Texas warehouse in the middle of the summer. That was stupid, but um, oh, I've, I've I've had it for everything since. I love it. I don't know, like it's what I get when I'm with Renee. Um, I usually get more than I would if I were not with Renee. Uh, I think it's kind of like the people are looking at her and they want to say something, but they can't say it to her, so they say it to me. But yeah, I don't know. I've got a lot of uh, very ostentatious boots. I have a pair of golden boots. I've got a 
a lot of snakeskin um and people will make the comments um i don't know i i i i either i'm dressing in a black t-shirt that rory blank made or i'm wearing something uh let's go uh i think my wearing uh, no no um but i was uh <laughs> earlier this morning i don't know people pe people are very nice about, about about my fashion choice i appreciate it I'm being one of those people also. This was a way for me to sneak in and compliment your your fashion sense is fucking sick. Thank you very that's much. That's an RFTB official endorsement. Well, I Put appreciate that it. on a resume. It's the uh, uh, people. Every everybody's looking for those nowadays. They're they're worth more than gold. Mm. All right. Here's the second uh, question of our of our one two punch interview here. Uh, what you got any embarrassing dating or relationship stories on you that you could share? Oh yeah, it was um probably August of 2014, 15, sorry, and WWE SummerSlam was in New York City, which is where I lived at the time, the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, and I went to the show the day before. Um, their NXT, their Dev League had a show the day before, and so I went to that uh, with some friends, and I scheduled a date um with a woman for afterward uh, she was going to a concert or a show um and i was going to SummerSlam. We're like okay we'll meet up at like 11 p.m after both of our things are out and we'll go to a bar yeah and, and you have much to talk about that's a really good right, we can discuss, we discuss all the things we saw that day except uh i i was hoisted by my own petard in a couple capacities one i drank at SummerSlam, of course because it's a wrestling show <laughs> so i came yeah. I, I came home at like eight o'clock and i was you know not drunk but certainly tipsy Two, I was living in a warehouse that didn't have windows. So my room was like, we used to play a game called How Hot Is It? We would take, my roommate was a sculptor. We would take his laser thermometer and guess how hot is it? And then point it at things and see how hot they were. Um, because it was, you know, in the 80s or 90s inside all summer Jesus. long. It was completely Searing miserable. Yeah. My, uh, my D&D group asked if like, they had like a little like intervention. Like, can we, can we please not play it here anymore? It's way too hot in <laughs> in your warehouse um it's immersive come on so i made it home from the show um and it was let's say 90 degrees in my in my windowless room my cubicle basically and i'm like you know what like i'll take a nap i'll take a really quick nap and i'll be up at 11 we'll be good to go <laughs> and of course i didn't and so i woke up uh at 3 a.m to a bunch of texts saying well i hope you died oh. uh um, <laughs> oh no and we ended up dating for five years. So yeah, <laughs> all right. Hold that one. Did you together. say that? Did you say that was the first date, or that was supposed to be the first date? That was the first. Supposed, supposed to be the first date. Yeah. How? That's did, amazing. How did you recover? From yeah. How did you that? roll out of that? Yeah. Uh, I moved to Texas, and I'd made a Facebook group. This is back when when Facebook polls could be shared with like a larger audience or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. this weird Facebook poll, it was the era of Facebook polls, 2015. Yeah. I made one asking if Al Gore was hot. Um, young Al Gore was hot. <laughs> because young if you Google young Al Gore, like I'm doing it. he was kind of a hunk. Um look, I'm gonna do it too. But yeah, there's like I see it. Yeah, I see it. Good if hair. You, if you go in, um, there's a photo of him shaving. Yeah, see, I, I, can I post the link in chat? There's a photo yeah. of young oh, Al Gore I, I shaving, here. and he is uh, very modelsome. Um, and so I made a Facebook poll. Well, was Al Gore hot? And I ended Good up getting Lord. like I don't know, like forty or fifty thousand people um, replied to it. And 
the woman had gone not gone on a date with was one of those and saw it was like oh i recognize who this asshole is and uh <laughs> they messaged me and i got a second chance and moved back to new york a couple months later she was oh. cloud chasing off of your uh facebook poll post that <laughs> yeah. went viral yeah that's right once again fucking around on the internet changed my life <laughs> tell me about it that's fucking excellent I've never seen young pictures of this guy with the long hair. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, dude. I wanted to know, is is he hot? And the answer was yes. Um, young Al Gore was hot. Good but, uh, Lord. You know, he's not a character you assume as being a, a sexual entity in any capacity. I've never not imagined Al Gore busting a rope uh, ever. But <laughs> <laughs> And now I am. Turns out he was, <laughs> a, he was a hot man. And now we yeah. move on to my favorite segment of the show, Al Gore Erotica. Who wants to play Al Gore this time? <laughs> Al Gorotica. I'll play the rope. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got to come up with an Al Gore rope voice. We'll develop that later. Damn, that's uh, that kind of gurgly. Though. A gur- a gur- oh, I guess the rope would keep gurgly. That's upsetting. <laughs> and it's in his voice. I can't think about that enough. Tim, thank you for sharing the embarrassing story, though. I love one that someone is able to successfully uh, redeem themselves on. It was kind of like a a Mr. Bean style of events where, you know, I ended up making it to, you know, the finish line or whatever, but not through my own actions, (laughs) just through a series of fortunate coincidences. Of, of zany events in a roundabout way featuring ex presidential candidates. That's beautiful. Turn that into a film, folks. Well, if you were able to, if you're able to turn that situation around, I'm confident in your ability to help us answer some listener questions here. Are y'all ready to get into what the what the nice folks have sent in? Let's I'm rock. Born ready. Let's rock today. All right. Well, it's question box time. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Uh, hey, it's me, uh, former vice president and a presidential candidate Al Gore. When I'm not being sexy as a younger person and having kind of a droll voice, but bringing attention to pretty pressing environmental issues as an adult, I like to listen to the Radio Free Tote Bag podcast. But check this out. There's not a lot of time remaining on this planet as climate change wrecks havoc on our future. And uh, I want to get as much RFTB in there as possible. I got to spend my time to the fullest. But with one episode a week, that's simply not enough. That's an hour of each week. That's just wasted time for the rest of this. Let me let you in on a little secret, though. If you head on over to patreon.com slash RFTB, you can get a bonus episode each week and access to over 150 episodes in the backlog. That's enough to last you until the end times. Perhaps. <laughs> Patreon.com slash RFTB. That's me, Al Gore. I wish they knew if he had a catchphrase or something. Uh, keep it goring. <laughs> Don't get gored. <laughs> that's me and the Gorner. Tim has sent in the chat, and that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's me in the spotlight. Losing my, Illuminating inconvenient truths. Losing my presidential candidacy. There you go. Patreon.com slash RFT. And now it's time for the question box. Asking all them questions. Asking all them questions. Why you asking all them questions? Making statements. Uh, 
Asking all them questions. Asking all them questions. Why are you asking all them questions? Making statements. Uh, oh, good yeah. Lord. Al Gord. It's time for the question box. It's the segment of this show where you, the listener, can send your questions in to us and we do our best to answer them. How do you do that? It's so simple. Go to at RFTVPod on Instagram and Twitter at RFTB and the other stuff on Blue Sky or our website, RFTB.me. Click on that Ask a Question link. It's anonymous. You don't have to make an account. You just type the contents of your heart into there, and through the magic of the internet, we respond to them, and we heal you, and we give you the best advice that's ever been given. And that's a guarantee. Audrey, what are we reading first? I think I want to read this big-ass long one first, actually. We do have a few of those in the backlog, and we simply must get to them. Hello, Audrey, Donovan, and guest or guests? Guest, single. You got it on the first one, and we're very proud of you. This year has brought a lot of changes into my life that I honestly had no real way of preparing for. My relationship of over 10 years almost ended due to years of emotional neglect and communication breakdowns. While we managed to come out of it still together with the promise to try and repair things and check on how we're doing in a few months, it also resulted in me coming to terms with the fact that I was also was in love with a mutual best friend of ours. And my original partner actually pushed me to confess and eventually decide to start dating him as well as continue the relationship I already have. The two are good enough friends, but only friends with no interest to even consider anything past that. They both immediately made it clear their feelings are only for me. And the two actually seem to have found some kind of extra common ground now that both of them separately but collectively love me. I'm very, very happy now, but as someone in their early 30s who had never considered the idea that I might be anything other than monogamous due to insecurity and abandonment issues, something both guys knew about preemptively and have been doing good at helping me uh, mitigate, I'm terrified of how things could go wrong due to the fact I've never even thought about what I'd do if I ended up with multiple partners. I don't even consider myself poly necessarily, just monogamous but in two directions instead of one. Even though I know that's not really a thing, lol. <laughs> Give me advice on things to keep an eye out for, uh, just in a general sense, so that I can avoid any of the bigger potholes as I move forward into my life with two boyfriends. I know there are some elements that will probably be a challenge, such as the fact that the existing relationship has no sexual element due anymore due to past traumatic experiences, while the new one very much does due to immediate chemistry. Or the fact that my I live with my first partner, but the new one is currently long distance. Hopefully that gives you some idea of what could be contributing to the nervousness besides the standard never thought I'd be in a situation like this type jitters. Apologies if this is a cluttered mess of a question, but thank you in advance for even reading this. Signed, Manage à toi. I, I think, are they doing like a pun like it's managed à toi? Like how do I manage this? Managed à toi. Oh! That I could also be a typo, See, just... or maybe it is spelled that way, and I'm very dumb. It could <laughs> equally be both of these things. Okay, you are, you have no history with being poly. You've only dated monogamously before. You are now dating two people. They don't have any romantic feelings for each other. They seem like they're fine, it sounds like. It sounds like they're navigating it well. So are they just looking for, for more advice generally? Just like what to look out for. What are some things that 
could come up that might be big challenges. I can. I have a couple of off the off the dome thoughts. If you don't mind me freestyling for a second, yeah, what get you in got? there. Okay, so this questioner mentions that the two partners they they have fulfill very different complementary roles. Complementary with me, uh, mm-hmm. one is a sexual long distance relationship, and one is a non sexual, uh, like intimate living with relationship, which. Um, asks the question of why does one need to go outside of the state or whatever outside of the city uh to get your sexual needs met um is there something that's not integrated there like follow your bliss this working for you fine but like will this suffer or like will this bear the weight of the first iceberg that it hits right this like this this it sounds like the kind of your mileage may vary. What happens to you is unique. We all live our different lives, but this sounds like a, a thing that could be tenuous, um, that could be existing because there is no point of conflict, that these things have their own separate domains across a bunch of different spheres. Um, there's been no reason to try to navigate two competing tensions um, or the tension of two competing interests in the same category. Uh, which, as I understand it, is you know pretty big in polyamorous relationships. How do you handle the? How do you handle uh, shared physical attraction? How do you handle shared sexual attraction? How do you handle kids? Which is so now so far from this right. question. Like, how do you like yeah. polyamory is like a debt balancing act of how do you deal with when two people want the same thing and they can't both have it at the same time? Like, what's the give and take? What's the communication? How do you how do you achieve at like a neutral state where everybody's happy? And this yeah. is a situation in which that question is completely dodged, um, which is convenient, but is it stable? Like, is, is it just um, waiting for what happens if guy number two moves to the city? Or is that unthinkable? And if it's unthinkable, well, why does he need to be far away? Um, there's just there's this. It, it seems like kind of like a perfect balance of the spheres. The three statues in Final Fantasy VI on the floating island. Um, <laughs> and I, th- I think you need to ask yourself, you know, if one thing changes, if the guy moves here, if um, I lose interest sexually in partner A or begin having a second interest in, in partner B, um, does this throw over, like, does this, does, does this destroy it? And if it does, yeah. I think that kind of asks some bigger questions about why you're in the structure in the first place. Because relationships mm-hmm. need to be able to handle conflict or difficulty sure. or whatever right what happens if somebody's parent dies or whatever right what happens if someone's dog dies you need to be able to like navigate these kinds of difficult terrain and if you're hanging on through like the luck of the draw like are you really in a place where you can handle that um i don't know this is your life to figure out but the so the specific delineation like the, the kind of neat boxing up of different desires and needs into different people um doesn't tend to have an amazing track record of handling like surprise conflict i'd feel what you're getting at here on like from my my understanding of the question too you've kind of fallen into this in a way you hadn't i mean you're still not even considering yourself poly necessarily i think that's gotta move that needle's gotta move the situation just kind of came up and it's working i i feel what you're getting at tim of like yeah it's in balance right now because it just kind of happened but if stuff comes up, are you going to be able to deal with that? And I think a lot of that is reflecting on that yourself, investigating this more. Because, you, yeah, the, Audrey, like you're just saying, the fact that they brought up 
not considering themselves poly necessarily, but I feel like they know that that's what this is. Yeah. I think you got to engage on that question of like, is that you are in that now? Is that something that you're comfortable with? Is that what you want in terms of life trajectory stuff? Is your future, the future that you would like to have, is that going to line up with this arrangement? Like, and not to like freak you out either, but if you're in this situation where you just have this general question of how to make this work and it's all new to you, I think, yeah, think about specific things like that that, that you want in life or things that could come up and reflect on, can I navigate this with these two partners that I have? The second part of that is having those conversations with both of these partners and understanding, you know, what's the level of relationship that we have? Because you could only really have the very romantic relationship with the partner you live with. The long distance one could be mostly sexual. And like, you know, there's some intimate romantic components there, but maybe that's not what either you were trying to get out of that. But you got to be clear on where you are on those things so that you don't end up hurting long distance partner's feelings or your immediate partner's feelings. Um, so basically, TLDR, reflect on what you want and if you're comfortable in this situation with what might arise and have conversations with both of these partners so that you're on the same page of like what this arrangement means. Right. Audrey, you're in a poly relationship. What do you? Uh, yeah, in fact, sense? a long distance poly relationship <laughs> with a um, with a sexual component with the long distance partner. Uh, no other current romantic uh, interests present. But um, I, the thing that I've run into that is like a real pain point, like where you might run into some issues, is when somebody comes out to make the trip. Like if you go out to see partner B. Uh, like where does that leave partner a in terms of their emotional stability? Do they lean on you as like a daily presence in their life? Do they find, uh, yeah. you to be like integral to their routines and the way that they live their life? Uh, if so, they're going to have to make some pretty big adjustments when you go to, uh, have sex with this other person. Uh, which can be a gnarly fucking feeling. It can be really, really difficult when the person you love goes off to, I don't know, go to MAGFest with the rest of the podcast that they're on and have uh, really good times together, we'll say. Um, that can be like a hard feeling. But uh, if you can, you know, I, th I think it's kind of up to, like as the point of the V, it's kind of up to what the other two feel like, cause right now you're just like blissed out. You're just like, wow, I have two boyfriends. They both love me. This is bad as hell. Like, I don't see how any of this could go wrong. I think you have a good instinct to like look down the road and see where the potholes are. Um, yeah. Just keep an eye out for like something that I run into is like how much information you share with partners. Like, like, cause yeah. There's this thing where you get really excited about the new relationship and you want to tell your other partner all of the like all of the cute little details and stuff. Uh, sometimes that can feel like a knife in your spine. Uh, right. So, like, be careful about how enthusiastic you're being in this new relationship energy period. And I don't know, like, I always have the sense that I want to talk about romantic stuff with my romantic partners, even if it has, you know, to do with another romantic partner. I find that that's a thing that I want to do resist that urge um, to the degree that you will keep your, uh, the other partner comfortable. I feel, or at least have that conversation. Yeah. Like, How much you... do you want to hear about this? Right. 
because like, you want to give them the opportunity for compersion because that's a very good feeling when you can actually genuinely feel happy for your partner having uh, love and affection outside of you. Uh, so you want to give them the opportunity to have compersion, but you don't want to force them to uh, endure something they're not ready to hear. That's so basically big analysis time, big reflection time, big conversation time. What are you going to say, Tim? Oh, I, I think Audrey made an excellent point. Like the, this question doesn't entail or doesn't contain indication of a conversation with each partner about how they feel or where they're at, which, you know, it, mm -hmm. the question need not contain everything. But if it is a younger relationship or if it is a younger thing that's happened, you know, a younger happenstance, uh, it probably is time to sit down with both boyfriend A and boyfriend B and figure out, like, on the record how they feel and what they need. Yeah. I also kind of skipped over this element that I, is, is very connected to that. One of the partners, they were together over 10 years. It almost ended. But you have worked through that and now you're at this place. And I think that's the partner you are in the same place yeah, as. Partner as the one. With. Yeah. Like, it, it's one thing to have all these conversations in a new relationship. It's a different thing when you have 10 years of established relationship yeah. that almost fell apart to then introduce this new element. And like, with that considered, the fact that it seems just from the question, like they're doing okay and you're rolling along, I think that's a good sign. But definitely have that direct conversation about all the stuff we're talking about, about how to handle certain situations, how much information to give them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm also interested in the current or the partner who's in the same place as you not having much sex drive. Yeah, due to say, trauma I'm reading. Yeah, due to past traumatic experiences, but they also say no sexual element anymore. And so I'm like, did something happen while you yeah. were together? Is it just old stuff that has cropped up that's fucking with their sex drive? What I'm getting at is like, it would be one thing if your partner was ace and you're seeing this other person have your sexual needs met. I've, I know people like that. Mm -hmm. Then it kind of works out because the other person does not have that desire. And, and the people I know is like happy that they can maintain the relationship and let their partner, you know, find that element elsewhere. But if there's trauma tied up with this and there was a sexual element to it before, like, and maybe you've already done this, but a hundred percent have a conversation and be like checking in on all of that. Cause that's just, that that's a potential tinderbox with all of this. Like, have, you know, have you talked at all about this? Uh, or like, are they okay with, it sounds like they are, but are they okay with you? Do they have an anticipation of wanting to like reignite that sexual element in the future? I don't know. There's, there's so much to fucking think about here. I, I think we've given you some things to kind of work yeah. with, but I think you gotta that, have a lot of conversations basically. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about here. Um, uh, our good friend Katie Rose Leon said that um, polyamory is a test of how good you are at being in meetings. Um, yes. And so you've got a lot of talk coming up. Uh, maybe, you know, have conversations individually, conversations over video chat between everybody, get everybody involved and try to hash shit out. It really helps I, uh, to have that. 
I gotta wonder to what if this is a 10 year long relationship that's now turned into something very different. I have to wonder to what extent keeping it as a relationship is an effort to hang on to something as opposed to um, an accurate assessment of where things are now. Because it's completely mm-hmm. possible to change the way someone is in your life without having it be in a formal relationship, right? Like a, a locked yeah. in thing. And like, um, you know, the, if you're not willing to consider yourself as Polly right now, then like it seems like something isn't being thought through all the way. Um, and you know, you know, I, all the caveats about everybody has their own thing going on. But you know, what what's keeping you in the relationship if things didn't work out over the past ten years? I, it's really scary yeah. to to even think about that, right? And there's a lot of like knee jerk negative reaction, which I completely understand. I've been there for years, um, mm-hmm. but I think it's always worth asking why am I and hanging on to this sounds like it's dismissive, but it's not. But like, what role is this playing in my life? And why do I need this to continue um, versus really why point. do I want this to continue is, is a question that's worth like really, really chewing on both like independent of that other person and also integrated is that what's fair to them and how do they feel? Extremely yeah. good point. I'm also going to recommend if you have access to it, like to that point, are you in therapy? There is yeah. like so much to cover here. That I hope we're giving you some stuff to work with, but I think having somebody who has experience with other people who have been in this kind of situation or can at least like break down piece by piece kind of the things that you need to address and talk through and work through here, I think that might be helpful because this is just, it's a ton of shit to work through at once. And it doesn't mean it's impossible, but like you got to do your due diligence on all of this stuff if you really want this arrangement to work out and for nobody to get hurt out of it um so i just it's going to take a lot of work and i think having some kind of professional guidance probably would make that easier as always with the caveat assuming you're in the u.s that if you have access to it because it's not a guarantee because this place is hell but we (laughs) hope that you do and we we wish you luck with all of this. Follow up with uh, with any more um, information as yeah, it let comes. Us know we what would happens. like to we'd like to hear more about this. Continue the story arc. Let's get another question going. Cha 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 cha. If you decided, if you decided, <laughs> you didn't want to be with someone around an important day. Christmas, Valentine's Day, birthday, etc. You might be a redneck. Do you just <laughs> wait it out until the day passes or do you cut it off immediately? Like if you still cared about the person, you just realized you were unhappy with the relationship. Like if you still cared about the person, you you just realized you were unhappy with the relationship. It's a dick move to dump someone on or right before a special day, but it's also fucked up to pretend to be happy with someone? Question mark, question mark. Curious what cuties think. Cuties, chime in. I have a lot of experience with this exact question. I had a relationship uh, with a woman back in college, and I fucked around on her, and that sucked. It was a shitty dog shit thing that I did. I betrayed her trust. It was really bad. Um, But it was heading towards, like, Thanksgiving break, and I was like, well, maybe I just go to her folks for Thanksgiving and try to pretend yeah. everything's normal so we can have like a nice little Thanksgiving and, you know, 
just, you know, try to pretend everything's normal so I don't fuck up her whole thing. Right. Right. So that her whole break isn't misery. Um, I had a very good friend give me the correct advice, which was don't fucking do that. (laughs) That's ridiculous. You, you know, you fucked up. You have to own up to it for one thing. And the other thing is you have to pull that bandaid off as soon as you know that shit's over because that actually gave her time off from life to go and heal. I didn't ruin anything for her. The thing that was the thing that I ruined was the relationship in the first place. I gave her the opportunity to have, you know, a time without my fucking philandering ass uh, and (laughs) heal with her family. You know, like that was that was a good thing for her to have. Um, So don't don't rob this person the chance to, like. Do the thing without you. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You're not prolonging their happiness. You're postponing their healing process. Yeah. Um, that's a very good way of putting it. There's the idea in business of fail fast. <laughs> um, business right? corner. Like when 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 something is going wrong, why stick around with it? Like cut off things as soon as you know that they're going bad. Um, because yeah. like doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down. You got like the Tobias Fumke problem of it might work for us. It never works for you. Um, like some <laughs> cost fallacy. Yeah. And you know, like independent of this, like every holiday is a, is a deepening of a relationship, right? Everything you do together that go on a trip or whatever, every dinner you have, like it's, you're making things worse long-term by, uh, by, by, by waiting till the end of Valentine's day or Thanksgiving or, yeah. I don't know, national, I don't know, dog day. Or dog day. Yeah. Uh, you're just gonna, you just, it's it's it, it's brutal but if something isn't going well um and you know it's not going well and it's not you you know getting cold feet and if it is that's also you probably should end it you got to deal with yourself but yeah, uh yeah. it's it's better to get it over with instead of like in the worst case scenario you, you like you try to get it over with and you can kind of kind of kind of get caught in the middle of like are we aren't we that's even worse everybody involved it's like if you're gonna yeah. cut it off cut it off and just leave it there um and and you know figure out why you felt that way and get something different out of your next relationship. It's the way it is. At at the time of this recording, it is eight days till Valentine's Day. If you are on the fence <laughs> and things are bad, do it today. Like, because then they could maybe find somebody else right in time for Valentine's Day or have the the very important, I feel, experience of being fully alone on Valentine's Day. And going to your favorite restaurant and eating far too much food and drinking much of Pabst Blue Ribbon. Hanging with other single friends, whatever. Yeah. Also, just like selfishly do this for yourself. Like fake going going to a family function is typically stressful, like a partner's family function. Sometimes they got a really cool family, but usually the holidays are stressful and there's at least like one Fox News aunt that you have to work with. And you don't want to do that. And you especially don't want to do that if the whole time you were playing the character of boyfriend who's who's still into you. Right. That is exhausting. You don't want to do that to yourself, even if you were the most selfish dickhead. Like, get it over with just so you don't have to do that shit. But also so that all of these people don't have to don't have to go through that. Or you get to the end of the holidays, which is like... There's always that kind of shit feeling after you have a bunch of time off where you're like, ah, fuck, it's back to the real world. This Mm -hmm. sucks. And then, uh, oh, on top of this, it's a breakup. And now I know why they were acting weird for the whole holiday. Mm. I wish they hadn't have subjected me to that shit. There's no good time to break up. 
There's no good time to break up. Right. And it's a lie. You were you are actively lying if the thing yeah. is over and you are trying to prolong it. And don't fucking lie to your partner. Your pants are on fire, you piece of shit. Break up with them. <laughs> That's the kind of things I would say to you, person who doesn't break up with I got dumped on Valentine's Day when I was a teenager. That was my first relationship. And uh, I uh, smashed a beer bottle on the roof of the apartment building about it. And then it was fine. Like it would have, the same thing would have happened any other day. If anything, right. I'm like, it's funny that I got dumped on Valentine's day in my first relationship. It's almost better than if it, it had been on any other regular day. Cause now I get to say I got broken up with on Valentine's yeah. day. And it's that's, good. that's beautiful, man. That's artistic. That's what it's all about. So <laughs> rip the bandaid off. And, uh, I mean, good on you for thinking through this instead of, if you are in this situation right now, like good on you for thinking through this instead of being paralyzed by indecision until your hand is forced. Cause that's like, that's the worst of all worlds. Don't do that. Yeah, That super sucks. What else we got? Uh, oh, it's me. Um, here we go. This (laughs) up next, Audrey, uh, Hey, what's your least favorite thing about dating a sex worker? Ooh, that's probably to me. Uh, I think it's for you. My partner is a sex worker. Um, So least favorite implies that like there are things that are like inherently like bad about or negative, right? Which hasn't been my experience, right? I think Mm -hmm. one thing I, so it's it's a job is what it comes down to, right? Like it's, what's the least... Favorite thing about dating an accountant or, I don't know, a, a landscaper or a lamp repair or whatever, right? It's a job. I always I always say, um, oh, your part, your, you know, your ex was a sex worker. Oh, it's almost like she worked at Quiznos. Like, it's the same fucking, you know, thing. It's just it's, a job. It, it's customer service, except the person wants to nut. Um, other than that, it's, <laughs> it's the exact same experience as, as, as working at Quiznos um, or, you know, working customer service or whatever, right? Uh, so I, I wouldn't say there's like there's like a least you know favorite part. It certainly is interesting. It's it's a different kind of job for sure. You know you know like I think something I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm working on a piece about sex workers in healthcare, and I think there's a fine line to walk between like normalizing quote unquote sex work in the sense that it is like a, it is a job, but also exceptionalizing it in the sense that like it is unique and there are unique things to it, and trying to find right. like the right balance is there's no you know how do you how do you how do you get this right. Um, you know, like there are a, a bunch of men out there who pay money to jack off to my partner and I don't know, whatever. Great. She's getting paid for it. That's way better than let's, you know, at least she's, she's, she's monetizing that good for her. Um, it means that I, uh, I don't know, I get to her job to be professionally hot. You know, I, I get to support her in a way if she were, you know, a, a doctor or whatever, I'd support her in ways unique to being a doctor. I'd probably learn about medicine, you know. I'd probably learn something about pulmonary disease or whatever the thing she was working on. But this, this, her job is uh, is sex work, and it's interesting to learn about how that slice of America slash the world works. And at the same time, I get to watch my girlfriend look professionally hot, and that rocks. Um, that is cool. I guess, like least least favorite thing would be. This is unique to the position, but like a lot of her friends are sex workers. And how do you, and I'm not in the industry at all, and I, I, I don't think I would be. Um, no one's paying me to, to, to fuck, or uh, just to see me fuck. But um, how do you navigate yourself, like, 
to make the other person, the people that she works with, comfortable when talking to me, right? Like I did a lot of interviews. We were mm. we were at uh, AVN, the the porn convention, and one thing, like if I walked up to somebody on the floor and was like, "Hey, can I talk to you?" The assumption is that I'm some random dude, yeah. Which often means, but not always means, like sketchy or horny or want something or whatever. And so, what's like, like navigating the process of making other people comfortable with talking to a civilian cis straight white man um is like you don't want to over apologize that's like weird no one likes that yeah but also you want to like create a space where you acknowledge hey a lot of guys suck at this but i'm you know trying not to do that or whatever so having to figure out that tight roping um is i guess like more than a little challenging but that's the one thing that ever stresses me out about like the sex work part specifically it's like meeting her coworkers and being like hey Hey, like, I, I acknowledge like that you're, yeah. Yes, you are really hot. That's your job. But also, like, that's not why I'm talking to you. Yeah. Can be normal about this. Mm -hmm. Apologies also. There was a car alarm going off for fully two minutes there. It and... didn't pick up barely at all. Okay, thank you. Also, God. I was... can edit it out. There is the ability for me to just do that. I mean, for, for me, I was having difficulty, like, hearing for a bit oh, there, sure. because it is profoundly loud in, in here. This is the second time today uh rftb hit squad please activate and demolish this motherfucker in their car i'm so sick of this shit god damn it um rftb got shooters my my tim i wanted to like follow-up question with you was is this your first time like dating anybody who is in sex work Had yeah you, yeah you anybody have, like, in any the hesitations service with it, it uh, no know? it's not my first time really with any kind of sex work uh in any capacity and it's neat i don't know like i like I'm always interested in the things that my partners do. Um, I like to understand as much as I can about the person that I'm with. And so, you know, like it's an interesting field for sure. And I've appreciated getting to like learn about it and talk to folks and see things like um, my partner was a, a penthouse pet and we went to a party um, uh, two weeks ago that was like penthouse at the club. So I got to go to the club for the first time. And I got to see T.I. and I got to like hang out and do stuff. And that was cool. Like for sure. It's interesting. Oh, yeah. um, and like <laughs> I appreciate that completely. And like that that's only because of uh, of Renee's job. Um, but I don't know. Like I've also had partners that other I've also had interesting jobs. And I got to learn things about that. I don't know. It's 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 uh, um, the exceptional part isn't the job. It's the reaction to the job, I suppose. Is, 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 is the yeah. Response. Yeah. That's a good way to describe that. I, I like that outlook on it, though. It's it's, uh, it's very rad. I'm also uh, kind of jealous. You, you went to uh, AVN. I, that sounds I like a lot of fun. Fascinating. I have a list of cool t-shirts that I saw. Um, <laughs> like on attendees or like for sale? On attendees. Um, so I guess, so I did an interview with somebody. Uh, like there's two floors. There's the bottom floor, which is the expo. And there's the top floor, which is like media um like products and some other like breakout rooms i was doing an interview in a breakout room and i walk out and i hear a man's voice saying no no you don't understand i'm 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 with i'm, I'm talent i'm with avn and uh i'm like taking notes and i look up and i see the back of a man who has like very broad kind of swollen shoulders and like rob ryan hair if you know who rob ryan is formerly the nfl jets um like maybe Kenny Loggins so. hair, like kind of okay. gross, long gray hair. Yeah. And, okay. uh, on the back of his shirt says makehersquirt.com. Um, 
There were there were a lot of good shirts. <laughs> That's killer. Makerscourt.com is good. I want to be a brand rep for Makerscourt.com. That's delightful. I Hell saw yeah, a dude though. wearing a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure shirt in the VR porn section. And he was wearing oh, jeans. Yes, you did. A JoJo shirt. Um, I have notes about him, but I forgot what it was. But he's like sitting in the chair and it's like the VR headset and he's watching a scene. Um, of, I think he's watching it live. You can kind of see what he's seeing. And his head is tilted to the side and his mouth is lolling. Like this man was... Um, yes, this, 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 this man looked like, uh, one of the guys from, um, that movie with the robot from Pixar or whatever. Right. Um, this man is like in another yeah. dimension of pleasure and just seeing it from a remove of a guy just in a chair was very, very funny. And the Jojo shirt took it to the next level for me. Are people cranking it in there? I imagine you can't crank it. You can't just, crank so, it in there, but you can do, every, you can do every, everything, but. Yeah, oh, one thing guys. I appreciated about the convention is I uh, I took a cab from our hotel to the convention floor because I was going through a different time with my partner. And I'm yeah. in the cab line and I get in the cab line and I'm next to this like attractive, tall, redhead woman and her partner. And we just get we share a cab because we're going to the same place. I talked to them uh, about healthcare policy and uh, immigration and how it affects rural doctors in the South, which is that's I have a one track mind. And I'm like, okay, this is a hot woman. She works at the, she's working. She's a sex worker. Here's her partner, whatever. Great. Go off. And then later I talk to her. Um, I go up to introduce myself with her, with my partner and like watching people kind of turn it on, turn it off. Like watching people who are hot become professionally hot um, is like a way you tilt your head and like open your eyes yeah. or whatever. Right. I've seen it. It's literally, it's like, it's magic. Yeah, it's that like they settle into it yeah. in this way. That's really impressive. And so watching this person who was a stranger to Square me, shoulders. who I haven't seen in either capacity, go from like professionally hot to normal to back professionally hot over the course of like one conversation was like so impressive. I thought it's the coolest thing in the entire world. I never that considered really cool. that. That That is super fascinating because I guess in a way you're playing kind of a character. Oh, 100%. Like an exaggerated version of yourself. And it's pro I never wrestling. I really thought about that. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I, I talked to a lot of pro wrestlers um, about healthcare because, again, I have one interest. And um, <laughs> the conversations are so similar in so many ways. Um, they're both marketing parts of themselves that are exaggerated to an extreme degree. So that's what the people want. Um, and they're both like doing things that are very heavily physical, like um, they're they're working their bodies in different capacities, but they're still, you know, doing the same thing. It, that, it's yeah. it's the exact same dynamic I, I, uh, uh, in a lot of ways, which I thought was really fun. I want to be a porno heel. I want to be like, <laughs> like, they don't like me. And then I have like a redemption arc. That'd be Val I don't Venus, I think. About pro wrestling. Is that- <laughs> Who's this? Let's see. I had a, I have a couple of friends who are into pro wrestling, and I have kind of like picked their brains about it a bit. But I have I have not seen a whole lot, and I I feel like it's something I need to engage with more because I'm I'm appreciating that performance element of it, and uh, and also people are referencing stuff, and I want to know what they're talking about. But I like I watched, the idea of a porno heel. That's pretty good. Yeah. I watched um, Royal Rumble in a room full of uh, uh, other trans women on a Discord call the other night, and that was a lot of fun. That rocks. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was among my people. Do we uh, Do we want to hit one more question? Hit me. Uh, how are you at on time? Oh, I love this. This is great. 
Hey, I always I wanted to be a relationship counselor or like a, a like count column haver. So this is yeah. uh, I'm, I'm indulging my own fantasies. Oh yeah. yeah, we love it. All right, I'll pick uh, I'll pick one more out of here. All right, we're gonna hit another one here. Hello, Audrey Donovan, and potential guest, confirmed guest, confirmed guest, confirmed guest. We've got a trigger warning on this one. Uh, discussion of suicide. So just a heads up on that. If you would not like to hear about that, I think this is probably the last question. I'll put some kind of timestamp in there so you can skip. Um, oh, you're going to put the timestamp in there, Captain Editor? I got the timestamp, baby. Okay, Audrey's going to put the timestamp. <laughs> but I'm writing, I'm writing a little timestamp in the description, and I'm like, go to there if you want to skip this. You're it's a collaborative me, effort. Yeah, you're going to hear me say something like skip to whatever, and that will be when you will go to for the audio cue. Okay, so trigger warning for suicide and also trigger warning for talking shop <laughs> on this particular question. <laughs> Here we go. Advance to one hour, 16 minutes, two seconds to avoid suicide talk. Uh, I am an AMAB, non-binary person, and I have this cousin slash god brother that's like my best friend. He and I grew up in this sucky small town since we were young, but he was all I had till I graduated high school. When we were still in school, I identified as a trans woman, and he was the only family member that was supportive. He doesn't understand gender identity that much, but he tries, and because of that, I love him. During my senior year, 2014 to 2015, I was away for one semester at a military academy, and I found out that my girlfriend of five years cheated on me with him. Oof. I didn't find out until after graduation. Uh, I felt really betrayed and threatened him with taking my own life if he didn't confess, and that summer I almost did. I understand that was an absolutely horrible thing I did, and no one should have to bear that responsibility, and I have since apologized to him. I broke up with my partner a year and a half after attempting to salvage our relationship. My cousin and I slowly drifted apart. I didn't have any other friends to turn to, lived in a household that was continuously hostile about my gender identity and was stuck there until I could move out for college two years later. Throughout that time, I fell into a deep depression. Fast forward to 2020, and I've cut my family out of my life and surrounded myself comfortably with my chosen family, my friends. Uh, one day, I, come ac I came across my cousin and decided to invite him over to catch up. It began fine, and he interacted with my friends well, but over time, I had this anger built up towards him and stopped inviting him. I realize I still have these feelings of resentment about what had occurred in the past and blame him for the events that transpired as I felt abandoned during my downward spiral when I really needed him. It took me a while to get back on my feet. I'm not sure what I should do. I know he means well and is truly sorry about what happened eight years ago today, but I find it easier to cut him out of my life entirely as I feel threatened with his presence around my chosen family and he reignites the trauma I still have. This was sent in by Rosie, who signs it at the end. And sorry that it took this long to get to this, um, but I don't think we've talked through something like this before. And that's a fucking hard situation to be in there. What do, what do you all think? So I think a good thing to acknowledge here is that you can have different kinds of friends, right? You can have friends you get a beer mm -hmm. with once every six months or whatever. You have friends that you talk to twice a week. You have I have one friend that I G chat with literally every day of the of the year. 
Like there was this, like there's this. I don't know if you guys ever read the uh, um, the essay "Fallacies of Geek Friendship." It was like an early internet essay from like the late '90s, early aughts. I think it's seminal. It's incredible. It identifies a lot of relationship patterns among people like myself who didn't grow up like having like a lot of like conventional friends or friend structures. And one of them, yeah. one of the fallacies this guy identifies is the idea that like. The friend of my friend must be friends or the friends. My friend must be the friend of my friend, Um, which is like a really easy one to fall into because you want to have your entire life kind of in one room. It's great. That doesn't work um, for a couple of reasons. One is that like people don't necessarily like like people are not fungible like that. You can't like Lego connect people apart, but also you need different parts of your life. You need your life to not always line up in the exact same way over and over again. Like. In my, you know, world, which I think is pretty conventional, like you got like guys you see to watch sports with who I don't discuss mm-hmm. um, feelings with. And I have friends that I do discuss feelings with and I have people in between. And that's like, I think, pretty good. You, I think it's good to have that kind of balance, that kind of escape. And I think it's completely reasonable not to want to have this cousin slash godbrother like in your life in that way. Right. Eight years ago was both a very long time ago relative to your how, how old you are, I'm gathering. But also it's not that long. Um, and it can yep. take a lot of time for those things to settle and digest. And it makes perfect sense that you want to want to have him like in your chosen family in this new iteration of you kind of in that exact same capacity you had him before. At the same time, like if he is important to you, it is worth having him around for some stuff. You know, if you don't want to burn that bridge entirely. So I don't know, find a thing you guys like to do together and do that. Once every six months, go to a minor league baseball game, you know, go to the park and play Frisbee, um, watch a Quentin Tarantino movie, whatever. Find some little thing that the two of you like and do it every do it infrequently so you can maintain that relationship. That's important to you. But by all means, if you're getting the feeling that this is not a thing you want to have in your in, in your close circle, then don't do it. Like there's like what's the other what's the, what's the alternative? You kind of hammer yourself into that shape until it works. That's not going to feel good. It's also not going to work. You'll break. Um, so I don't know, like accept the natural separation that's being afforded to you by your psyche and lean into it as opposed to resisting it. I dig that, like reframe it at the beginning that this isn't an all or nothing situation. Cause like that's, that can be hard to, yeah, to integrate a friend into a different friend group, even if you don't have a history of like rough shit happening between you and you do here in like a really big way. So that's just, there's too many variables and you're still processing this and it sounds like you still need to talk through it. There's just too many variables at play if you're bringing them in, you know, to your current friend group and trying to just interact as part of like a chill group hang as opposed to like one-on-one time where you could talk about that stuff or at least like feel out being around each other. Uh, The fact that you're writing in, like, I I feel like you do want to work through this. I think if you wanted to totally, this is unforgivable and you wanted to write this person off forever, I think you would just do that. But, you know, the fact that you're taking the time to write this in and are still thinking about this person, they were an important part of your life. They were an important support system for you at one point. And they also kind of fucked you over. I don't know the details of like how that cheating went down, but that's absolutely a betrayal and that fucking sucks. Um, but, you know, time time passes and sometimes you can work through things like that. And sometimes you want to. Like on the one hand, again, it would be completely fine to just cut this person out of your life. Yeah. If you didn't see any potential here, there's, you know, you'd have every right to do that. 
But again, based on you writing in, feel like you want to work through it with them. So some kind of one-on-one hang, get a drink together or something where there's not other people around and then talk about this stuff. Because I, I do think you have to address this yes. before you go back to having any kind of consistent relationship. I think you need to at least talk about what happened. And I, it doesn't sound like you've done that. Maybe you did when you've seen each other. Um, but especially if you haven't at all or you don't feel resolved with it, take the time to have that conversation and be like, I was really fucking hurt by that. That's why you know I cut you out of my life. It also meant a lot to me that you supported me through, you know, a stretch of my life that was very difficult. You can hold both of those things at once. um, But I think having that conversation maybe could help with healing from this also, if you're still holding a lot of the anger from it. But uh, yeah, definitely group activity is not not the move. I want to add one little addendum to that, which is that you also don't need to rush into that conversation. It can be fine to Mm. just hang out and play pool or have a book club or play Halo or whatever and just do that for two months, a year, however long it takes. Like you can have that conversation when you have a shared context in which it's okay or you're right. safe, right? You want that other you That's a good point. and to have a productive conversation, you both need to feel safe about it, right? If 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 life is on the line with one false step, nothing productive is gonna happen. That's just a fight. Sure. Um, so you know, and you can fill that out. Like uh, you're young, you've got time, right? Like make sure you and he are on the terms you want to be on before you have the conversation or if it happens naturally or whatever, but like, don't feel the need to like sit down and have the conversation um, before you integrate that, that person into any part of your life. You can just have him be in a little sphere that you keep to the side and work with and work through um, without needing to like rush a big conversation. Like, Get comfortable. Make sure you're both comfortable before you have like a talk like that yeah. if you want to have that talk. Yeah, that's a really important point. Um, I'm like, I'm of a mind that if it happened eight years ago and you're still angry about it, it's very important that we have that this conversation happen. But again, on the on a time frame that makes sense and in a context that makes sense. So I support everything that uh, Donovan and Tim said. And uh, we wish you a lot of luck. I think I think this is going to work out. I think it's going to be okay. I, yeah, I do like the way that the person's talking about it and that you're writing in and you're trying to process this stuff again instead of just fully writing him off here or trying to just force stuff to work. You recognized it didn't work in the group setting. So good on you for trying to work through this. That's like really heavy feelings that a lot of people would just avoid for the rest of their life. And I don't even ding those people for that. It's just really, it's difficult to confront these things. And sometimes it's not fucking worth it. Um, Absolutely. But I think it's admirable to, to try to do that. Um, So get to that conversation, but to Tim's point, yeah, you don't have to sit down for a first beer and be like, all right, motherfucker, I haven't seen you in eight. I haven't seen you in eight years. Why did you? Why did you cheat with my with my ex? Yeah. And if he's coming to hang out with your friends, like he's clearly amenable for something, right? Like the soil yeah. is fertile here. Um. So yeah, I, I I do feel good about this questioner. Like I think there's a lot more here that seems good than bad. Not you know what I mean. Like promising than yeah, uh, yeah, than, yeah, than yeah. forbidding. <laughs> I feel what you're saying. Yeah. Thanks for writing in, Rosie. Follow up and l- let us know what happens if you if you end up you know figuring out something here that works. Uh, we'd we'd love to hear from you because I thought this was a really unique question. I don't think we've had somebody 
right in on like repairing something like this. So, so thank you for doing that. All right. Well, this about brings us to the end. I told you that wouldn't be too heavy of one. I think that was a solid cut. Yeah. I just, I, I keep, I kept seeing this in the backlog and the TW suicide at the top. I was like, fuck, that's super heavy. I can't, I can't just like chuck that on. But again, it's been like, it's been like two months. Yeah. I wanted to get to this question. Glad we got to it. Thank you all for the input. That's about as gentle as a TW suicide question as you can get. For it, sure. It's true. <laughs> We've had Outside of like TW suicide, I I I mixed all the sodas at the Taco Bell together. Is that allowed? <laughs> My girlfriend said it was gross, and that that hurt me. I thought it was pretty good. Check yeah. out this punk band or this post punk band suicide. <laughs> <laughs> I was always kind of a no. I did make the suicide mixed colas thing. I think I just was. It had not a lot of taste. I think just it was a lot of sugar and it blended yeah. together and it didn't really matter. Sounds about right. I won't defend it. Okay, we got to give Tim a round of applause for joining Woo! us. Woo! Ah! I was a Tim, where do the people, where do the people find you, Tim? Sure. Um, so my Twitter is Krulge, C-R-U-L-G-E. On Blue Sky, it's Krulge.urinal.club. Um, which... <laughs> <laughs> which was fun um, that's beautiful i uh i am i suppose a healthcare writer um and that's what i'm doing these days i've got a newsletter which is button down dot email slash error uh i got the username early so I went, I went for it my branding is a mess um but uh <laughs> yeah i mean twitter is where you find everything i'm working on i'm currently working on a piece for defector about sex workers and issues with accessing, affording, and utilizing healthcare, which I'm still chewing on. It'll be a while before that comes out, but I think it'll be really interesting. I think I've got a lot of fun stuff in there to talk about um, in an interesting, like, layman's way. Um, yeah, you know, I have a book out that came out, gosh, four, five years ago at this point, and I'm working on the pitch for number two. Uh, we'll see where that ends up, but, you know, that'll be out in, God willing, three years. Uh, which is way longer than I think uh, the recommendation on this podcast is good for. Um, <laughs> but, That's uh, evergreen. Our yeah. recommendation is evergreen. Uh, Write a note down. Set a reminder on your phone for three years from now. Do it now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you like a, if you like a healthcare healthcare policy at all, or you want to learn about, um, I don't know, like photos of toilets that I've seen, you can go ahead and follow me there. <laughs> Uh, Beautiful. Very, very well thought out. Very, uh, very intelligent content, as well as some good shit posts. Good follow. Our kind of mix. All right. We also got to uh, we got to thank you, the listener. We appreciate all you folks who listen to us. And you heard Al Gore talking earlier. We got bonus episodes each week. We got a Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/RFTB. It's an elite core. Be among the ranks with Al Gore. For $5 a month, you get a bonus episode each week. We got a Discord. We'll mail you a sticker. But for $10 a month, you get all of that, and we shout your name out in lights at the end of each main episode. Audrey, who are we shouting out first? Here they come, baby. We begin as we do with Anemone. We're shouting out Anthony Lindbergh. We're going to shout out a pigeon in Chicago. We're shouting out our lovely day one Barb. We're going to shout out Brian. Alfloard is good, actually. We're shouting out my own father. We're shouting out whack, whack, Duck Duncan. We're shouting out our good friend Dylan. We're shouting out my metamorph Gigi. 
We're shouting out inflatable dream. We're going to shout out K friggin money. We're shouting out Laser McGraw dropped his pocket a second and, week of dropped pockets. And dropped the opportunity to change their name between this episodes. Uh, we're also going to shout out Malcriata. We're shouting out MC Proletariat. We're shouting out Mickey Flykick. Who I want to, um, did we plug uh, no. the podcast? Monomaniacal with Mickey Flykick. His upcoming podcast. Go check that shit out. Yeah, Al Gotti did the music. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, go give and that a we, listen. It's a good time. We will be on there. Uh, be there or be square. Yeah. Uh, we're going to shout out Pablo Hummus. We're shouting out Rico Suave. We're shouting out Riley. From episode 19, Dickity 2, The Yellow Rose of Toteland. We're shouting out our friend Ryan, Rich Homie, Click Clack. That's what's up. We're going to shout out Spreadable Fruit. We're shouting out Super Deformed. We're shouting out Synth Mage. We're shouting out the Worst of All Possible Worlds podcast. We're going to shout out Tufted Titmouse. We're shouting out Wendy because everyone knows it's Wendy. They do. Like the Breaking Bad. <laughs> and we're going to shout out Ren. Thank you so much for joining us at the $10 a month level. Each one of you, all 26 of you, truly are the wind the beneath wind our wings. The wind beneath our wings. That's you right. make it happen. You, you know, we love y'all. We love y'all so very much. Thank you so much for listening. You uh, give I, us flight. You give flight to us. Uh, I did the music, soundcloud.com slash RFTB pod. You can find uh, the intro theme, Horn Filters, the love theme from RFTB, and many more songs a lot like it, including this next thing that's going to come up that I started writing yesterday, and we'll finish probably when I get off of this call. A peek behind the scenes. Uh, let's see. That's what else do we got to do? Oh, uh, five-star reviews. If you give us a five-star review, we'll read one of them on the show each week. So we should actually real quick check Did to see if we got do any that from last. I don't think I checked that pretty frequently. I don't think we got okay. any new no ones. No new five-star reviews. Remind me to do that before we do all the shout-outs. We got to get that while people are still listening. If That's you're true. still listening, though, I love you. I want you to know that. <laughs> you in particular. You. The one person left. Hey, uh, I'm going to get right up on this microphone as I have a tendency to do. I'm going to get right here. I'm going to get really close. I love the image of just like my eyes and my eyebrows and the top of my head poking over the top of the Zencaster. I'm going to say I love you. Thanks. Bye. Mwah!